Before we begin this week's episode, I very quickly wanted to say that Let's Talk About Chef is available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, the Alexa in your house, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and pretty much every other way that you can listen to podcasts. There are over 700,000 podcasts being made in the world right now. So however you found us, whether it be from a hashtag on Instagram, being suggested on iTunes, or one of your friends telling you about us, thanks so much for tuning in. If you want to have your restaurant shout out on the show, you can write to us for that or any other reason to let's talk about chef at gmail.com or you can follow me personally on Instagram at Chef Brian Clark. It is so enjoyable finding the hours between working in the kitchen all of the time, all of the other things life can throw at you to make Let's Talk About Chef every week. And all I ask is that if you can spare one minute of your time to rate and review us on whichever platform you listen to us on, it would mean a lot and I thank you. That's enough from me. Let's get right into this week's episode of Let's Talk About Chef. In 2019, a lot of very nice awards were given out to women all over the world. Julie French won Best Female Police Officer in America. She is a constable in a small town in Indiana that busted about 20 meth labs and seized millions in illegal drugs. Amanda Beckham won the award for Best Female Businesswoman. She runs a very profitable hedge fund in New York and grossed about $70 million last year. Lindsay Calhoun won the award for Best Female Lawyer. She managed to win every single one of her cases last year in Philadelphia. Stephanie Lawrence won the award for Best Female Politician. She is the mayor of Sebring, California, and by all reports managed to bring her local economy back and stronger than ever after the tire factory that supplied most of the jobs in her town went under, and by implementing a drive to bring local businesses back and attracting new jobs with tax incentives saved a lot of people. She is very deserving of that award. Jessica Myers won the award for Best Female Writer. She writes a column in the Vermont Journal where she meets and talks to business leaders all over Vermont. And finally, Robin Cruz won the prestigious Best Female Doctor Award. She is the head surgeon at Kirkton Hospital located just outside of London, England. These women have all done an amazing job in their respective fields, and I am sure that they are humbled and very happy to be recognized. Oh, wait a second. Nope, none of that was real. All of those names were made up. The towns are made up and the awards don't exist. Stephanie Lauren is the first and middle name of my younger sister, and the town of Sebring, California is not a place. Kirkton Hospital in England doesn't exist, and yet when you were listening to that stream of utter bullshit, did it bother you? Did it seem ridiculous? Giving an award to a woman for doing a job that anyone can do is gross. It's wrong. It's messed up. All of those awards were fake. But do you know what did actually happen again this year? at the world's 50 best restaurant awards that took place in Singapore. Daniela Soto Ines won the absolutely absurd and degrading award for best female chef in the world. Best female chef. There is not an award for best male chef. The industry and job that I love so much is broken. It has been for a very long time. And unless we talk about why for some reason we as cooks and chefs will sit back and watch an award being given out for being a female, nothing will ever change. I am not okay with that, and you shouldn't be either. This week on Let's Talk About Chef, we are going to talk about the staggering amount of sexual harassment charges that brought some of the food world's biggest names crumbling down, why Daniela Soto Ines is so much more than a biased award that should not exist, 
and also women chefs and how we have all failed them. Despite the gains made around the world with the Me Too movement at the forefront, shining light upon the very sad and very real reality women have had to endure in a lot of different industries, for the female cooks, chefs, and restaurateurs, it is still very much a man's world. Chef Leah Chase, the famed queen of Creole cuisine, passed away a short while ago. For 77 years, she ran the kitchen at Dookie Chase's restaurant and was beloved not just in New Orleans, but all over America. A year ago, she was part of a summit of some of the best female chefs talking about the new concept of the Me Too movement. Leah began running her restaurant during segregation in America, and then during the civil rights era. She was tough. And her motto of look like a girl, act like a lady, think like a man, and work like a dog was painted in front of her restaurant's doors. She said that her reaction to unwanted advances would simply result in her kicking the guy in the dick. She also said that she was one of the lucky ones who never had to experience blatant harassment. And she was lucky. A recent study conducted by Vox said that women aged 35 and older are more likely to have kept silent about sexual harassment they experienced at work. Looking back on their lives and careers, older women tended to see sexual misconduct as something they simply had to put up with. James Beard award-winning chef Barbara Lynch agreed with the statement of Leah Chase and, quote, You tolerated it. It was your job. I knew if I could cook, I could always have a job. Unquote. That statement, the idea of men taking advantage of women in kitchens, is wrong. But the idea that these and most other female cooks in kitchens tolerate the behavior of men in them is where the line gets drawn. If you are a male cook listening to this, and there are a lot of you, and you think that you work in an environment that is safe for women, I want you to think very, very hard about that. Every time something was said, every time a joke was made, even though being on a kitchen crew is like being on a pirate ship with a crew of co-workers that all work as hard as you, care as much as you do, and frankly make fun of each other as much as cooks do, it is time to change. It's 2019. There aren't pirate tall ships sailing the seas anymore, and Blackbeard was an asshole. 
Since 2017, dozens of male chefs and restaurateurs have been accused of harassment. These accusations come from, in some cases, dozens of women who had to put up with the toxic culture of male-dominated kitchens for far too long, and finally they all had the courage to come forward and effectively bring down the men who were responsible. Over 60% of women in kitchens have been subject to sexual harassment. Women in food service and hospitality jobs file three times more harassment claims as women in other fields. Although you may be picturing in your head some seedy kitchen with a gross chef trying to take advantage of a new cook, you couldn't be further from the truth. And we all know the stories behind the men who have been recently brought down by the accusations that they took advantage of women in their restaurants. On December 11, 2017, four women accused Mario Batali of inappropriate touching dating back as far as two decades. He admitted that the accusations matched up with his behavior, but not before five more women came forward and he is now being charged with harassment, assault, and is being investigated for rape. He is a monster who apparently ran businesses that preyed upon women working under him. Batali's television shows were canceled in the wake of the accusations. He was let go of his ownership of restaurants, of course being bought out for millions of dollars, and presumably has hung up his orange clogs for good. The story of Batali's behavior stretched back years and years, but like most other cases of the last few, was ignored. Boys will be boys accepted behavior. I'm glad he's gone, and I will do everything I can to never allow him to come back. Ken Friedman, the famed restaurateur who along with his business partner April Blumfeld ran the Spotted Pig in New York among other restaurants, was accused by 10 women for sexual assault. They also sadly said that they approached April for help and she did nothing but point them to an outside source for HR or therapy. Mario Batali was an investor in The Spotted Pig, and along with Friedman would hold frequent private parties on the restaurant's third floor where the harassment, forced kissing, and other horrific things happened. The fact that these two men of the dozens that were accused were able to get away with behavior like this for so long is disturbing. It shows us that our culture is not working. Women being treated poorly in kitchens doesn't stop at the concept of sexual harassment that they should never have had to have tolerate in the first place. The bias towards women chefs can be blatantly seen in food media as well. In 2015, a book was released called Taking the Heat, and it was a no-holds-barred look at the way the media portrays women chefs. The four most important food publications for a chef to be written about in are Gourmet Magazine, Food & Wine, The San Francisco Chronicle, and of course, The New York Times. These four titans of food media quite literally have the power to make or break your career. If the stars align and you as a chef are lucky enough to get a positive review in The New York Times, you have made it. It's that simple. Authors Deborah Harris and Patty Gwiffer studied from these four publications over 2,000 reviews and chef profiles from just 2004 to 2009, and what they found was really messed up. 11% of all features in these publications were dedicated to women, 12% were dedicated to female and male teams or partnerships, and the remaining 1,727 articles focused solely upon male chefs and oh how brilliant we all are. It's not even the fact that the food media is biased towards women chefs. It's also the tried and true narrative that they stick to when writing about women in the industry. Basically, female chefs are all pushed into the category of a domestic stereotype. The concept is basically that all of these brilliant chefs and cooks are caring, nurturing, and motherly. 
In those 2,000 reviews that were analyzed and coded, male chefs are all tortured geniuses. They strive for perfection, ever pushing the envelope of what is possible, and they are usually famous for having a bad temper. Women chefs, on the other hand, maintain tradition. They allow men to build them restaurant empires. They are polite, unthreatening pushovers, and motherly figures that are doing their best to survive, and that is all with the four most important food publications in the known world. Women chefs are not treated the same as their male peers, and that should make you very, very angry. Food media keeps the words like genius, pushing the envelope, and all of the other phrases that describe brilliance carefully reserved for men, while women are given the coverage that describes them as being less superior. In a 2007 San Francisco Chronicle review of chef Jamie Lauren's celery soup, they said that she dressed up the soup nicely. Dressed up a soup. What does that even mean? In a 2005 New York Times article, chef Amanda Freetag was praised for taking familiar dishes and administering subtle tweaks. In 2009, again in the San Francisco Chronicle, they profiled three restaurants held by women and said that the reason that these three restaurants are successful is because they avoided gratuitous creativity and stuck to the basics. The food media. Literally the most powerful publications that we chefs and cooks look to are not only making women chefs seem like happy little grandmothers in kitchens dawdling around with a wooden spoon and tasting the soup while giggling, they are making it nearly impossible for women chefs to want to enter the industry at all because this is what women think they need to do to be successful. The bias is breeding the dangerous concept that women can't be themselves. They can't be creative. The envelope shall not be pushed. They should stick to the time-honored tradition of making food their mothers taught them how to, and voila, you will be successful. This episode of Let's Talk About Chef is being brought to you by Amazon Music, the simplest way to listen to the music you love. Discover tens of millions of songs and thousands of curated playlists and stations across all of your devices just by asking your Alexa. With Amazon Music, find your favorite songs without ads or interruptions. And for a 30-day free trial, go to amazonmusic.com. See what you have been missing. There is a problem with the world's 50 best restaurant list. It is not just the fact that they have a ridiculous award for best female chef. It's also because nobody that seems to be winning in the top 50 has anything to say about that award. These men and women are quite literally the titans of the industry. You know their names, and you know their restaurants. I am not going to call anyone out on here, but not speaking up on behalf of something that is so blatantly sexually biased is completely insane. They don't want you to be invited to the party. To be on that list, to be awarded the highest of caliber honor is a career maker. Why would you mess that up for yourself? I don't know what I would do in that situation if my cookbook deal sponsors and literal fact that my restaurant was reserved for the next six months because I came in the top 100, what would that do to my attitude towards something like a Best Female Chef Award? But, fortunately, I am never going to be on that list. I am never going to try to be on that list. And until it changes, I suggest we all try and change that. Not that I am saying that I have a chance to be on the world's 50 best list, and I don't. But, fuck it. Let's talk some harsh truths that so many other chefs are scared to do because they don't want Willy Wonka to yank that golden ticket out of their hands and slam the gate to the chocolate factory in their face. 
Career sabotage is something of a specialty of mine. Let's get into it. For the last week, I have been trying to get a hold of somebody, anybody, at the world's 50 best restaurant organization. No one has responded. They didn't respond to my emails, my DMs, or any other way I tried to contact them. They wanted nothing to do with me. And that's fine. I am kind of a nobody. Also, I have a feeling that whenever they see the subject line, Best Female Chef Award Inquiry in an email, it probably ends up in the trash. So I changed that, and I said, Chef Inquiry, Award Inquiry, even went as far as saying Sponsorship Inquiry. Nothing happened. So, I did what I never thought I would do. I became an internet troll. For the last week, on every single picture that the 50 Best has on their Instagram, every single one, I would comment, that's really neat. Why do you have an award for best female chef? Or, beautiful plating. Why do you have an award for best female chef? One bottle of wine later last night, I was really having a lot of fun and kept commenting on every single photo and post on every single piece of social media I could find, asking the question of why the best female chef award is a thing. I am not sure if what I did mattered. It probably doesn't, but most of my comments have been deleted. I am going to keep doing this until eventually I will probably be blocked if I haven't been already. And all of you listening, you should do it too. Don't be rude. Don't be hateful. Just ask the question, why is this award a thing? If there can be a Best Female Chef Award, then there should be a Best Male Chef Award. Otherwise, what you're doing is stupid. Hopefully, someone sees our comments. And hopefully next year, it won't happen. If enough of us speak up, say something, that's great. But let's try together to put an end to a blatant sexually biased trophy. The winner of this year's Best Female Chef Award was Daniela Soto Ines. She is an amazing chef, regardless of her gender. She is unstoppable, and somebody that I have admired for several years ever since I first saw pictures of her food. I can't give Daniela anything at all. My platform and my show are not big enough to really cause a change, and I know that. But I can do this. And so, right now, on Let's Talk About Chef, we're going to talk about Daniela Soto Ines. Daniela was born in Mexico City on August 26, 1980. Both of her parents were lawyers, and at the age of 12, she moved to Texas. From the age of five, she knew that she wanted to be a chef and would spend hours cooking with her mother and grandmother learning the secrets of their kitchens. She studied at Le Cordon Bleu in Austin, Texas and fulfilled her life goal to travel to Europe and work in some of the continent's greatest restaurants. She was part of the opening crew at Brennan's in Houston, joined the progressive American restaurant Trinity two years later, and shortly after that was cooking at Chris Shepard's charcuterie-driven restaurant Underbelly. Everywhere she worked, she was a force in the kitchen, pure talent and a work ethic that would stun the chefs she was working for. She returned back to her home in Mexico to work for Enrique Oliveira, the man who has brought modern Mexican cuisine into the world's spotlight. At Pujo, Oliveira recognized how talented and dedicated Daniela was. She was obsessed with her work in a way that so few chefs are, and when the time came for Oliveira to open his first restaurant in New York City, Cosme, Daniela was named head chef. At Cosme, she quickly gained the praise of critics and diners alike as one of New York's best chefs. She earned the Rising Star Chef Award in 2015 at the age of 25 and the James Beard Award for Rising Star Chef the following year. 
In 2017, she and Oliveira became business partners on their second restaurant in the city, the beloved and impossible to get into Alta, a more casual all-day counterpart to the more progressive modern cuisine of Cosmic. In a short two years with her at the helm leading the kitchen, Alta is now considered to be one of the best restaurants in New York alongside Le Bernardin, Blue Hill, and Gramercy Tavern. This year, the business partners are opening two restaurants in Los Angeles with a Japanese-influenced Mexican restaurant called Damien and a taqueria called Detroit. Daniela's contribution to the world of food at such a young age are matched evenly with her strides into changing the environments in her kitchens. She doesn't yell. She doesn't get mad. She believes that compassion and happiness in the kitchen translates to the food on the plate. She is one of the most progressive and talented chefs in the world that runs one of the best kitchens on the planet, and she is doing it the complete opposite way other Michelin and award-winning chefs have run theirs. She sees the system as faulty. She sees where the machine is broken, and her success is nothing but a testament to how right she is. Daniela is only 28 years old. She has so much more to give, and we will all be watching. The world is rightly hers for the taking. Our system is broken. Our ways of living and working in kitchens is flawed. We are not doing a good job. We can no longer look to the ways of the past and see a solution on how to run and operate a kitchen. It doesn't work. If you want to continue to work in a place where women feel mistreated, underappreciated, and helpless to how things are done, get out. You're not wanted. Change is happening. Change that took far too long to get here is coming. The most dangerous sentence in the English language is that this is how we've always done it. Don't be the one who lives behind that sentence anymore. In the end, the Best Female Chef Award needs to go. Food media needs to realize the power that they have and that they can be a voice of reason making the field level. I am obsessed with the idea of history. I love to look at the past and see how things are so similar to what happens in our modern world, but we can also learn and grow from knowing what happened to us before. But there is also another side to that coin. People one day, like me, are going to look back at our time. People will one day in the future judge us by the actions that we have taken, ignored, or pretend not exist in the first place. We will be judged. We will be judged by the changes we made or failed to make. We will all be words on a page one day. We will be a footnote, a paragraph, a time period, a story. What do we want those people in the future to see? I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Let's Talk About Chef. It was written by me, Brian Clark. Music for today's podcast was supplied by Amazon Music, and thanks to them for letting us talk about them this week. If you want to write into the show for any reason at all, you can send everything to letstalkaboutchef at gmail.com, or you can follow me personally at Chef Brian Clark on Instagram. Let's Talk About Chef is available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, the Alexa in your house, and anywhere else you can think of to listen to podcasts on. So if you can tell your friends about the show, we would really appreciate it, and we are very easy to find. We are back next week with a brand new episode of Let's Talk About Chef. And so, as always, until then, have a great service, 
and have a great week. 